1: People talk about baby brain when you're pregnant and you lose words, mm. and grief is, does the same to you. The carpet being ripped out from under you and, and tumbling. And not knowing who you are in yeah. That, yeah. Things that used to be so simple that I'd do without thinking suddenly become so much harder.
2: Hello and welcome to How Did We Get Here, the podcast where me, Claudia Winkleman, and my fantastic friend, clinical psychologist, Professor Tanya Byron, look at challenges people are facing with those closest to them. Tanya talks to people in one-to-one sessions whilst I'm listening in from another room. In the break and at the end, I ask Tanya a bit about her process and explore the issues that were raised. This time we meet Danielle who is understandably finding life very hard after her husband died 4 years ago from cancer. Danielle had her own business but recently gave up work to better support her two children aged 20 and 17. She finds parenting in these circumstances overwhelming. What you recognize
0: it's your anxiety that is causing this loss of
2: perspective with your children. Yes. What you're about to hear are the key parts of a one-time unscripted session with a real person. We follow up with our guests after the recording, passing on links and contacts, some of which you'll find in the notes of this episode. Thank you for listening, and now let's go and meet Danielle. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. Oh, it's a pleasure. Tell us
1: why you're here. So my husband died four and a half years ago. The journey of learning to parent as a single parent... I'm finding now it's probably more of a struggle than at the beginning, and ah. it's uh, needing some perspective. So when you've not got that other person giving you their input, taking things too seriously, that other person can balance it out, can't they? Of and course. say, look, you step back, or or maybe they're just the character that deals with particular situations better than you do. Absolutely. And suddenly that's gone, and and it might not have been something you consciously noticed, but you certainly notice it when it's gone.
2: Certainly, I feel like I've lost my way a bit I've got a teenager and what well, two teenage there are a lot of decisions to be made oh yes aren't there? yes I mean the little ones yeah. about what subjects they're going to do and yeah. then the big ones yeah. I don't know what time you should be allowed out
1: yeah but to do it all by yourself yeah
2: yeah I suppose especially as they're getting old and you
1: want them to have their freedom I don't want to feel I'm sort of clinging on to them but at the same time I know they've got this big grief that people around them haven't got and don't necessarily appreciate and, and so I'm almost watching for are they about to trip over are they going to are they going to have a meltdown how can I stop that happening and perhaps
2: sometimes I'm preempting that. And may, that and also sense. once you start questioning yourself yeah. on anything then yeah. you go well maybe nothing's right yeah. how have they dealt with their loss
1: in different ways. So my daughter, who's the oldest and is now at uni, she just buried herself in her studies and has done brilliantly and is still doing brilliantly. But she's only just now ready to get some counselling. Whereas my son, who's struggled with mental health for quite a while and is only really coming out of that. Now he's coming out, I'm watchful for things that are going to drag him back in. Yeah, of And course. sometimes I'm overreacting. Do you have good friends? Yeah, I've got two lovely brothers. My third brother, who was equally lovely, he died of cancer as well. So um, we've got oh, that loss in the family. But I'm really close to his wife. I've got some really good friends at home as well who have who holiday with us and mop us up. Yeah. But of course, for all that they spend time with the, the kids and with me, they, they, they've they not got that deep understanding. And so there's a limit to, to how far they can help, if that makes
2: sense. Got, it totally makes that. sense. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in.
0: Hi. Nice to meet you. And you. I'm Tanya. Hi. Hi. What is your biggest fear? When I was listening to you talking to Claude, I heard
1: anxiety. Yeah. And hypervigilance, you're watching and waiting. So what are you afraid of? They're lovely kids and they're incredibly resilient and they're both very bright. I worry they won't achieve what they could do in life, that this could knock them completely off course if they're not able to deal with their situation.
0: I think what you're saying is you're aware that you're really anxious. Yes. And it's interesting you said, my kids are resilient. Do you mean you recognise that they do have the capacity
1: to bend but not break? Yes. Even my son with his mental health issues, I can see that there's a, a really strong core in both of them. Do you mind telling me what your son's mental health issues are? Um, he's got OCD.
0: What is his OCD? Is it sort of a cleanliness thing or um, like a safety thing? It's
1: primarily ruminating over right. issues.
0: Right. Um, so he's an anxious uh, overthinker, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, he missed a lot of school last year during his GCSE year because he, he was so... Stressed by how he was feeling, but equally things that were happening as well. His friendships right. fell apart a little bit, um, the anxiety over exams. Right. That was probably our lowest point last year. The OCD was identified before he lost dad, but it had been building up um, with suicidal thoughts two, years, two three years ago. So we've had a period of... How terrifying for yeah. you to hear your child say, I don't want to be alive yeah. anymore. Yeah. And that, to me, feels like a trauma that you're still living with it is and um i know i've got a lot of strength in me but it's almost as if now he's coming out of that and we finally found him the right help that he needed he's having psychotherapy weekly and that seems to be working well he's got lots of other things falling into place now he's got involved with a gym so he's much more uh, positive about himself so he is a lovely lovely lad and he's doing incredibly well but it's almost as if Any little wobble now that he has, I'm sucked straight back into what was happening over the last couple of years. And that must have been horrific for you. Yeah, it was. And I think I did my usual, rather than spend a lot of time thinking about it, it was just, if I keep myself busy with trying to fix it. Well,
0: you went into Crisis Management mode. I get that, and I think that was the right thing to Mm. do, and it's been a painful journey. But with the support that you've got in place for him, he's now... He's coming out the other side, which yeah. is incredible. But perhaps what you're also saying is because at the time you didn't really connect with the sort of qualitative feeling aspect of what he was telling you, you were like, right, problem, how do we solve it? It now is hitting you after yeah. the fact and it and you're getting triggered just by him saying, oh, I had a rubbish day, Mum. Yeah. That's really insightful of you.
1: That urge to solve the problem, I worry creates other problems because... Rather than just listening to the kids, I'm listening to what they're saying and thinking that's a problem I need to solve as opposed to just let them tell me. And And, work their own solutions out. You grapple with that part of you that thinks, how can
0: I make them feel better? Because I don't want them to feel bad because if they feel bad, it might trigger their grief and
1: then they won't be able to live the life that they should be able to live. Yes. So
0: It's, it's your internal struggle.
1: Yes. I understand. But I can feel it impacting on how I react. The interactions I have with my daughter, she's now at uni um, in year two, doing really well. When she shares things with me, she'll tend to share the negatives with me. So, oh, I'm feeling really tired. I'm feeling wobbly. I don't know why. There's an obvious why. But I'll be thinking, oh, is is this where she starts to go off track? Because I'm rushing into problem solver mode, assuming there's a problem, am I then almost creating a problem? I think you know the answer to that. Well, I guess because she still comes back and talks to me. I think I'm doing the right thing. Definitely, you're doing the right thing. This is where I was talking earlier about that, that loss of perspective. That, you haven't that, got a partner to bounce no, this off with for um, them to go, darling, Yeah, you can chill
0: out. Yeah. Well, I want to be that perspective for you. But yeah. I think today, I don't want to just reassure you. I think my goal is to try and help you shift something inside yourself yeah, so that when you leave... You carry a different perspective, yeah, and I think that's what you're asking yes. for with your son. When he comes home, he says, "I've had a bad day." You panic. You think, "Oh my gosh, we're going to go back to the dark days." Oh my yeah. gosh. With your daughter, you're saying, "Do I kind of exaggerate in an yeah. anxious way?" What could just be a normal "I feel shit, mum," yeah. kind of comment. And I think your second part to that, which I thought was really insightful, is when you said if i start to panic and i'm panicky mother coming back am i going to nudge her towards something that actually she might not really have been going towards yeah so really what you recognize it's your anxiety that is causing this loss of perspective with your children yes yeah cuz your children sound pretty solid to me both of them are actually in a good place at the moment yes
1: but you're still terrified yes Because I suppose we've had enough examples of how life is just lobbing stuff at you. And I know everyone goes through that. But I sometimes wonder if I'm trying to imagine the unknown just to protect us from it. And that doesn't feel healthy.
0: So it's almost Um, like you're saying because we live in a city where we know bombs will drop, uh, we're kind of living in a brace position all the time. But you're also saying, but I know that's not how it should be. Yes. Okay, yeah. So that's what you want to shift. Yes. Okay. If you stopped futuring and thinking ahead, what do you fear might happen if you take a different perspective that will be caught by surprise? Someone else will die or something will yeah. happen. And of course, I mean, as you know, particularly... There are no guarantees no, that that will Which or why won't always... happen. The question I'm asking is, do you think if something awful happened again, do you feel like that would completely
1: break your children? Because you use the word resilient very early on in your yeah. discussion with me. I suppose I worry that, that, that there will come that point where it's all just too much, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back, if you like.
0: Are you worrying about them breaking or you?
1: One of us will go... And if one of us goes, and I suppose that in some respects relates to when um, my son was talking about not wanting to live anymore because it's the three of us and and we are, the three of us, we are are close. I'm lucky that I've got close relationships with both of them. I count that as one of our blessings, which means, I suppose, if, if one of those was taken away, then... That really would feel like um, a, a huge challenge. So it's you're
0: thinking of... that somebody else might die, mm-hmm. you or them,
1: well, or so, something catastrophic yeah, um, yeah. might happen, which just isn't necessarily rational. But I suppose that's that's ultimately where I've got to now.
2: something you mentioned to hurt which is futuring it is very common actually when we have a a trauma
0: a shock a bereavement you know that our sense of safety in our life our sense of it's not going to happen to me is absolutely broken Mm. and then we have to sort of recalibrate our kind of the way we look at the probability of bad things happening and risk happening and so When we think about anxiety and we think about the effect that anxiety has on the way we think and we feel and therefore how we perceive the world and how we behave, anxiety affects thinking in a number of ways. So anxiety makes us magnify and catastrophize. And yeah. that's because we're in a, an emotional and mental state where we are prepared for fight or flight. So if we think there's a threat in front of us, we have to make it as big as we possibly can in order to keep it in our sights, as well as catastrophization, magnification. Anxiety causes what's called black and white thinking. Right. Yeah, I'll yeah. either be in control or I'll fall apart. Yeah. That's anxiety. No middle ground. No middle ground, no grey area. Um, anxiety also can lead to this sense of anticipatory anxiety so what could happen and that's futuring
2: okay thanks Tom. let's go back to the session
0: you've lost two people that you were extraordinarily close to in a very short space of time your brother and then was it a couple of years later your your husband yeah how has it impacted on you would you say
1: it felt like I lost two quite Well, obviously my husband's massively important, but my brother was also someone that I did turn to for advice and and I loved his company. Then the longer term impact has been, particularly of losing my husband, that um, I then took the decision to sell the business probably about 18 months ago. I no longer enjoyed it. I didn't really have it in me. So I managed to sell it. Um, well, that's and That's another and loss for you. It is, actually. Yeah. Um, although yeah. it's also a huge relief because it was causing a lot of stress. And, Understood, and, and, I, yeah. and I knew I needed to clear that stress out to, to help my son in particular through what he was going through. So life has changed hugely, and I suppose amongst all of that, I've lost sense of myself as well. You're talking to me with very well-controlled tears in your eyes,
0: and I am curious what you're worried about if you were to contact those feelings a little bit more. Do you feel it would break you? Yeah,
1: and I can't afford to break.
0: So as you encourage your children to be open with you, to cry with you... Because I suspect as a mother, you're saying, I can listen, I can comfort you. If you want my help, I can help you find a solution. So you'll encourage your children to do that. Why do you deny that to yourself?
1: The answer is I've not necessarily found the right support where I feel I can properly unburden.
0: Is that because your friends aren't enough? Because I know you've had some bereavement counselling, haven't you? Yes. Is that because the counsellor didn't feel like a good fit or is that because you won't allow
1: yourself to do it with friends? It's because I don't want to be the miserable person in the room. And you reckon your friends um, would think that? <laughs> no, the lovely ones wouldn't. I know they wouldn't. So
0: that's a good that's yeah. a good way to avoid doing something just to find a, an explanation for it, which actually, in truth, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. And you know you wouldn't do it to a yeah. friend. You'd be there for them. Yeah. So there's a huge level of avoidance, yeah, in you around connecting with the pain yeah your default mode is solution focused yeah the problem is at some point there aren't any other solutions to be found apart from living with the
1: pain and then that is where you get a bit stuck yeah this sort of not crying and that's not to say I don't cry I've cried buckets at points but sometimes that feels a waste of time because that doesn't solve it either in
0: my head but what happens to the to the unshed tears and the anxiety and the pain if if it's not allowed it's all bottled up, isn't it? Do either of your children bottle things up?
1: I suspect my daughter does. And do you
0: think that's okay? Do you? No, no. So you want something different, yes, f- for her than you do <laughs> yeah. for yourself,
1: yeah. So I can see that you're in a you're in turmoil a lot, yeah. And yeah. I spend a lot of time thinking about it. I feel exhausted a lot. I know I'm not in a good place. I
0: don't think you're not in a good place you've kept yourself going you know Mm. you've not kind of collapsed into your grief and given up on life you've powered through for your children I mean in the most extraordinary way what I'm thinking now is how much what you worry about when it comes to the children is actually really more about what you're experiencing and you need Mm. some help to be able to Mm. to release a bit because often When we have these catastrophic worries about our children, it's because they're triggering something in us. Yeah. So when your son comes home and says, oh, I've had a shit day, or your daughter WhatsApps you or whatever and says, oh, God, no, I don't feel great. I'm so... Both of those are just kind of normal stuff that young people of their age would be telling their mother if they have a great relationship with their mother, which they clearly do because they want to communicate with you. It triggers you. Have you thought about the fact that what they trigger in you is really more about what
1: you need rather than the risk to them? I probably haven't connected it quite that way, but I've certainly thought, what happens if I'm not around? Um, Oh, I think that terrifies you. Yeah, it does. Not for you so much, I think, but for them. Yeah.
0: Have you ever had times when you haven't wanted to be around? Yes. But you've never told anyone that? No.
1: And it was very fleeting. Of
0: course it was. And thinking, I don't want to be around, isn't the same as
1: actively and intentionally making that happen. No, no. And and in fact, it was more the thought that they'd be better off if I wasn't around, that I was just complicating things. That's heartbreaking to hear you say. So,
0: why? Why were you, why was that?
1: Um, Well, that was last year um, when um, things really weren't going well for my son in particular so being stressed about work and we were having some pretty awful arguments and i i didn't feel i was helping i i felt that i was making the situation worse for him mm. um and it was coming out of a sense of frustration with the situation because and it was and fear and fear and um maybe he would be better without me but then equally imagine what would happen if you weren't around you know, how would they feel? Um, and and that, that was just, I suppose, me being selfish, self-indulgent in a way. No, um, no, I don't think it was selfish or self-indulgent. You're brutal with yourself when it comes to
0: emotion, <laughs> aren't you? you. Okay, yeah. I think it was a moment where you just probably, fleetingly, contacted the pain. Yeah. Which was probably
1: quite useful in a way yeah it was sort of a light bulb moment of okay this can't go on
0: maybe there is something in contacting the pain having a really acknowledging how hard things are how bad one feels crying and then going okay oh now I can see things differently yeah and that's what I sense with you I sense that you're just kind of you've got this kind of emotional logjam because I am watching you brutally stop yourself crying with me. Not that I'm yeah. saying, for goodness sake, please yeah. cry. I'm wondering, if your children were here now, I'd be really curious to know how they thought you were doing or what they thought about how you were
1: feeling. My daughter often asks how I am. And, do you know, that irritates me.
0: You know, that's t- you don't want to contact it.
1: Yeah. Because
0: it's not productive, yeah. remember. Yeah. So she's recognising something, and she's trying to
1: contact something in you. Yeah. But you're like, step away, nothing to see here. But I don't want to burden her. I don't want to suck her into a situation that stops her doing what she needs to do for herself. And why would that happen? This was part of the sort of motivation for wanting to speak to you, was trying to get my head round balancing being a parent with sharing things if I'm the anchor at the moment in all of this for them if I'm the point of stability that makes them feel comfortable and safe and yet I'm then turning around and saying actually I'm I feel awful I'm not doing my job they need that sense of stability mm-hmm. um, and I'm the only one that can do that for them now is, is where understand. I'm at
0: I do understand that. I'm trying to put myself in your daughter's shoes. She's asking you on a fairly regular basis, how are you, mum? Yeah. Not in a, hey, mum, how are you? But in a, how are you? So you know what she's asking. Yeah. And that question indicates that she she has a sense that there is a lot going on for you emotionally, otherwise she wouldn't ask. By not... Being honest with her and enabling her to be part of your solution, which is, I think, what she's asking, which might just be a hug. I'm so glad you could have a cry with me, mum. Yeah. I'm thinking that is probably better than experiencing her mum push that question away. Mm -hmm. Because I suspect that increases her anxiety.
1: Yeah, I've not thought about it that way.
2: But
0: I think character logically, you are quite black and white about it. You are solution, 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 get on yeah. with it. Or emotion and fall apart. That's how you see it. Yeah. Whereas there's something in the middle. And I think the irony of all of this is that one of the things you worry about with your daughter is she is quite like you. You worry that she buttons down and bottles yeah. things up. So, from a role model perspective, if you really want to prepare her for life, You want to show her how, as an adult woman, you can express how you feel in a way that enables you and her to have an honest conversation, to reassure her that her instinct was right. But also in that expression, you can show her that it won't break, her or you. Because emotion is part of life. Grief is part of loss. Anxiety is part of being a widowed woman who is bringing up her two young adult children on her own. Yeah. You're role modelling her something unbelievably powerful. But if I really let it out, I don't know where it ends. So I think that's where you need some support. Mm -hmm. Because I do believe if you let it out, it would end. Because I think you are a practical woman and I think you have a huge ability to self-manage and self-regulate i just think your personality is such that when you feel sad it makes you scared and when you feel scared it makes you feel out of control yeah and being out of control is not a place you want to be but sadly that's what life has done to you multiple times
1: yeah it really does make you cry yeah i don't like being out of control but yeah (laughs) you can't control everything in life
0: that's correct and so the anxiety and the thinking 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 is a way that you're trying to control things by you're trying to imagine what the future could look like yeah but I think logically rationally you kind of know that's if if we're going to talk about what's unproductive that's the unproductive emotion yeah not crying yeah because we can't think a better future we can't think a way that life isn't going to do what life does. Yeah. I feel sad that you're going to spend the rest of your life in a perpetual state of anxiety. I'd rather not. I agree. Um, but what needs to happen for the
1: anxiety to slowly settle? I've got to unbottle it somehow. I think about what I go through in day to day. So I get up in the morning, I put the makeup on I'd put the clothes on I'd put the veneer on and I know it's a mess underneath but if I portray something that feels in control then then I can get through the day But sometimes I wish people could see what it's really like do you know I think I'd feel a failure if I lost control
0: but what's what's to say you're going to lose control that's the bit that I'm wanting to help you with because I almost feel like you're saying I will become a hysterical, (laughs) out of control, (laughs) screaming wreck of a person. I think that's what your pain feels like. Yeah. But I'm not necessarily wanting you to think that's what the expression of your pain will then therefore be like. Mm. Okay. But I think you need someone to help you through that. Let's think about it in another way. People who have a phobia. They have a fear of water or spiders or whatever. The fear they hold for these whatever things, it's irrationally, catastrophically huge based on what it really is. And when you treat a phobia, there are two ways you can treat it. One is called flooding. Which is, I'm treating you for aquaphobia. You have a fear of water. So I'm going to take you to the local pool and I'm going to push you in the deep end. That's flooding. Okay. Right. Brutal, kind of not the way I like to work. And the other one is called systematic desensitization. Very, very slowly, you dip your toe in, then you get in, stand up to your knees in the shallow end. You breathe, you think, I can do this. Nothing bad is going to happen. You might get out, you might stay in, you might say, you know what, I think I'm ready to go down to my shoulders. Actually, you know what, I think I can take a stroke. And very slowly, with someone supporting you, you make your way to the deep end and you swim. Okay. Now let's take that and put that into what you're, I think, phobic of. You're phobic of contacting, processing, and being supported for the pain you feel following the loss of your brother and your husband. You hold on to this pain because you're terrified that if you contact it, it will break you. And I'm just describing to you the pain and you're sitting here in tears. Yeah. And I promise you, you'll be fine. I promise you. Your tears are are an acknowledgement that I've described your pain.
1: Yeah.
0: But what I'm describing is the phobic avoidance you have of contacting that pain because you've dabbed your eyes, you've taken a deep breath, you've settled yourself in the chair, (laughs) and you just did this. I watched you. (sighs) And she's back in the... Oh, no. No, no. The tears have (laughs) come back. It's really... I can see the struggle for you, and I'm not trying to prod you, and and, and I'm not expecting you to cry with me. Please, please know that, by the way. But I want to tell you what I'm noticing. So if you are phobic of the... Huge amount of pain that you have never truly processed because you've been managing and supporting your children to get them through the most challenging times that they've had in their young lives. It's interesting to me that you have got more anxious as your children are now doing better. Yeah. And I think that's because now they're doing better. It's now your turn. And that freaks you out. So the risk is you're projecting it out onto your children. Yeah.
1: That had crossed my mind.
0: Yeah. I think that's what's happening. Mm. And your daughter sees it. Yeah. And every time she checks in, you shoo her away. Yes. Because don't bring that near me.
1: Yeah.
0: Phobic, 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 avoid, avoid, avoid.
1: Yeah.
0: So to help you with it, you need someone to get in the shallow end with you and you need to feel safe with that person and then you need to slowly but surely, piece by piece, allow yourself to grieve. And I think that the grief risks becoming what would be called a prolonged and complicated grief reaction. And what I mean by that is grief that isn't supported and addressed in the way it needs to be. It doesn't have to be therapeutically, it can be just within our support structures, but if if grief... Isn't grieved, if, if you see what I mean, then it can then begin to become something more complicated. Okay. And I think with you, it has started to do that. And it's the complication for you is anxiety. Yeah. I think the next part of a chat should be what happens next, mm-hmm. and how can it be done in a way that feels safe. Really, it would be good for you to sort of summarise what what is our formulation? That's the word that psychologists use for what's the story. Okay. To facilitate this process, if you want, you could write to your daughter, not a letter you're actually going to give her, unless you want to, but you could start the process by answering her question. How are you, Mum? You could tell her. Yeah. And write it down, and then we could look at that together. Because, in a sense, that's you then summarising really where you and I've got to. Okay. You look utterly relieved. Your, sh- your shoulders have just
1: dropped. Yeah. Because it feels like there's a solution. There you go. <laughs>
2: Unbelievably moving. She said when her daughter calls from university, it's often with, Oh, I'm exhausted, or I've had a bad day, or I'm worried about such and such. And I know lots of people, I mean I hate to say it, and I don't know if she's listening, but I will be talking to a friend and I'll be going, Yeah, I'm fine, everything's fine. And my mum will phone and she goes, How are you? I go, oh well the washing machine's not working, and almost give her problems as a gift.
0: Or because I'm awful? Can you explain that? I know your mum, she's an amazing woman. She's a woman, fixer. But she's a fixer. I mean, your mum is incredible, what she's achieved in her life and who she is. But she is a fixer. So, yeah, it's a dynamic that exists. Give your mum something to fix. You're giving her what she needs in order to mother you in the way that you know she's comfortable with. But that's the risk, I think, here. Danielle, re- she did really identify that early on when she said, you know, when she was talking about her daughter and yeah. she's saying, but I, I'm worried if I'm seeing things, you know, that, that, that aren't there, could I create a self-fulfilling prophecy? In other words, could I nudge
2: her towards something that wasn't actually ever going to happen? And maybe her daughter has worked out that just going, yeah, everything's fine. By mum, speak to you like in four days. Isn't what her mum wants. It, well, it wouldn't be enough for her mum because then she might think mum
0: will worry. So if I give mum something yeah. pretty mundane to be concerned about then maybe that will that will be helpful for her a bit like you do with your mum and I'm not saying these aren't conscious processes right it's not like we think oh no of course but 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 it
2: really rang in my I was like
0: oh yeah absolutely um but I think you know that's how these dynamics can kind of then create and entrench themselves
2: I suppose the other thing that people will be thinking is when is it fine to discombobulate your children Is it okay for them to see that she's sad? What should we show our kids? It is upsetting for children
0: to experience their parents' upset. And obviously, you know, you've got to think about the age of the child and the younger the child, the more careful you have to be because they don't have the cognitive capacity following that experience, to be able to hear you and talk through. At the end of the day, we're there to support their development. They're not there to support our emotional state, right? So that, that that's important. But, you know, her children are young adults. Grief and loss and sadness and pain are part of life. If we want to prepare our children for life, we also want to role model to them that it is OK to be sad, to feel upset to grieve but actually that experience doesn't cause us to stop functioning and can enable us in the long term to
2: feel more like ourselves again. The other thing that's fascinating is you said there isn't a black or white. It isn't for her it feels like either she completely unravels and run through the streets naked, screaming, My brother and my husband died, please somebody help me. Or whether she kept on talking about the surface, which I found fascinating, put the makeup on, I've got a lovely bag, and the children are fine, and I will hold it together. Mm. And you were saying there's a middle ground. You know, it is possible
0: to process the grief it is possible to do that without falling apart but the longer we avoid doing that because we are so terrified we will fall apart the greater we actually risk falling apart because the grief process then becomes complicated it becomes prolonged and entrenched and that's when mental health difficulties can then start to
2: set in i'm gonna go and get her all right love
1: Did you write the letter? I did.
0: Did it? Was it a helpful thing to do?
1: It was actually. Why? Um, there have been times when she's asked that question on WhatsApp, and I've started to write an answer because she's hit me at a moment when I'm weak and <laughs> thinking, "Okay, I'm going to tell her," and then I I delete it because I think I can't send that. To actually be able to to write it down is almost a relief. Shall I read it in full? Yes, if okay. you don't mind. It's... No, no, no. I'm finally sitting down to tell you how I am. You keep asking and I keep batting away the question because I just don't want to burden you or make you feel more miserable. I'm not great. I feel sad more often now than I have done in a while. I keep thinking that if I just keep busy it will be okay. but as soon as I stop the wobbling starts. I really miss Dad. I miss his growl. Dan, where's the... Why haven't you? I miss his laugh, his rudeness and his holidays. I worry about how you and your brother are coping and how... You will make a good life beyond all this. I miss you when you aren't here and I miss... We had a a nickname for my son. He was known as Jolly and um, he hasn't been like that for a long time. I find it hard to really imagine life once you've both left home. It feels really daunting. I rack my brains trying to think of things that will make us all feel better. But nothing feels right apart from the holidays. I wish I knew how to bottle up that holiday feeling. It's a very lost feeling I have right now. I don't recognise myself. I don't know who I am or who I'm going to become if I could just stop being so worried. Excuse me. That's all right. I'm tired of worrying, of stewing things over until I've even bored myself. I'll try and be more honest with you both. I don't want to add to your worries, but I can see that hiding how I feel isn't a particularly good idea either. That's where I got to. Wow.
0: What was it like reading that out? You read it in a really relaxed way, but you have
1: cried. Which... Yeah. Um, it's a relief to to say it, um, to be able to summarise it. Have you fallen apart? No. No, I'm still here. The world hasn't
0: ended. <laughs> you seem quite relaxed as well. You seem sad, very, very yeah. sad. But you don't look like you're white-knuckling, you don't look tense. You're just... Kind of sitting with how you feel, but
1: you're coping. Yeah. Does that surprise you? Um, A little bit, but I'm now worried about how I'll feel when I go home. Let's talk about that. Journey's home from London used to be about having been here for meetings. and The first person I'd message on the train home would be my husband, say Mm. how the meeting had gone. Mm. Um, And while he was being treated, it would be... Um, to see how he was, to check he was okay, to let him know I'd be back soon. I miss that. I'll then get home. The dog will want to go for a walk. Hopefully she's not eating the sofa while I've been here. And that'd be nice to get out. Um, Mm. I'll then be at home. And I'll wait for my son to come home and see what mood he's in. Does it matter what mood he's in? Yes, still it does, because we had... So many occasions where he'd come home and he'd fall apart. Mm. But how long is it since um, he's done that? Gosh, it's more than six months. So I'd say
0: you can just be less vigilant. Yeah. But just going back to the journey home, who can you message? I'd say my closest friend at home. And do they know my, you're here today? Yes. Okay. And did they encourage that? Um, yes. Right they will be wanting to know how it went. Yeah. So where's the risk in letting her know about this and maybe seeing when you could
1: meet her and... There's no risk in that. You need someone to talk this through with. Why I'm hesitating is because I think it's hard to find the right person. And the reason I say that is the experience we went through with my son. It took three years to find someone who really got him. Mm-hmm. I've always wondering, is it the right person? How's he been for the last six months? Oh, so much better. So I know it is the right place. It's relentless. Yes. This
0: anxiety will even undermine your confidence in something that looks like
1: it's working. Yeah. It's yeah. exhausting for and you. And that's where that sense of loss of confidence, and I had that through work as well. People talk about baby brain when you're pregnant and you mm. lose words, mm. and grief is it does the same to you. The carpet being ripped out from under you and, and tumbling. And not knowing who you are in yeah. That. yeah, Things that used to be so simple that i do without thinking suddenly become so much harder. It's really common. I suppose for me, I
0: just want to know that there is somebody you will nominate now to be the person you talk this through with, to be the person that checks in with you. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you're ready to really share this with the children yet because I think you have to process it yourself first and be able to say it in a way that you feel you can be honest with them but you can articulate it in a way that isn't going to make them feel discombobulated and (laughs) and scared. But you definitely need someone and this best friend sounds like she's seen this, she knows this. Yeah. I think you should journal just write whatever so you dip in and out remember we talked about dipping your toe in the water and stuff think about someone you can see to do this next bit of work yeah it's not going to be an absolute breaking dam okay because that's literally what it feels like so we you need to put some structure around it Mm. You need to distract yourself and be busy. Maybe with your friend, you do two dog walks a week and yeah. she checks in with you. Maybe you journal for 20 minutes every day and it's a conversation you have with your husband Yeah, just to tell him what's been going on. I think you probably want to be doing some yoga, some mindfulness, listen to Headspace, the, the app, yeah. just stuff just to also help you manage the anxiety and just kind of calm up, calm your brain down. You could create a nice solution-focused way of tackling this. You've done so much already today. I think you've acknowledged it. You know what it
1: is now. And I think already that you will see a change. It certainly feels different now. How? Definitely a, an element of relief. It's not just a nebulous thing. that there's There's actually an identifiable thing that then leads to solutions.
0: <laughs> Part of the solution might be just learning how to sit with the pain of your grief occasionally in a supported way and sometimes on your own you Mm. know you'll feel able to just to go for a dog walk and have a cry about your husband who you miss terribly Mm. and then feel okay again Mm. there is always a way through Mm. you've just got to know that it's not going to break you and allow yourself to be looked after I mean you have done a brilliant job for your children it's now your turn and they need you to do this yeah you've done really well now do it for yourself okay thank you thank
1: you how do you feel Um, relieved but tired
2: what I also want to say to you is friends like helping helping People like taking that on. Mm. You're giving them a present. If you leave here and you get on the train and you would normally call your husband and you go into one of those really weird loo's with the automated door, I really <laughs> hope it stays closed. <laughs> I mean, good luck. And you phone your friend and you're and you are having a cry and go for four and a half years. I have been the most. Ext- I've coped, and i have just. I'm going to have a wobble, mm. and. Do you want to come around for dinner tonight? People step up. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They enjoy stepping up.
1: Mm.
2: I would lean on her. I'd really lean on her. And she's not going to let you down. Yeah. Because she mean, loves you. Yeah. Has this been a turning point? I think it has, actually. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, that letter was extraordinary.
1: It was, yeah, uh, it, it was easy, so easy to write. Because um, it's probably just been. Yeah, sitting
2: there waiting. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. I didn't want to let Danielle go. I don't know whether you noticed. Uh, Yeah, I know. I know, yeah. Even if you're not dealing with grief, I think so many things that came up, what to show your children, how much of your ups and downs do you show? And I thought you could only be phobic of spiders or incidentally my friend is phobic of flour it's just too chaotic for him but what flour as
0: in baking yeah wow
2: i know the idea that she could be phobic of the pain that she's holding inside the experience of grief is so powerful and i think for those people
0: who avoid becoming emotional because of a fear of that tsunami and yeah, a tsunami and changing who they are, then the grief gets neglected and then it can mutate into something, you know, more serious, depression, anxiety, yeah, those sorts
2: of things. I'm really pleased that she told her daughter she was doing this and that her daughter's listening. And we haven't revealed her daughter's name, but I would just like to say from both of us, we think your mum is amazing and you and yeah. I'm pleased
0: they have each other and her son I'm really glad you've done that Claude actually that's that's a clever thing because I'd like to say to her daughter and her son your mum will be fine and you're resilient like she is and you, you won't be worried by that because you know she'll be okay and she will be okay she will you know how I say to people when I work with them you've got tears and
2: I can see tears in your eyes
0: yeah I feel emotional Claudia I can see tears in your eyes
2: you see um, Tan. yes Claude that's our last one What, forever? Not forever. Should we do some more? I really want to, do you? Yeah. Do you like doing this? Yeah. I think we should go and lie on a Lilo somewhere first. A Lilo somewhere? I love a Lilo. Maybe my house, my kitchen? Okay. Well, that's where this all started, Claude. All right. Let's go back to the kitchen and then let's come back. Okay. Okay. Come on. I have crumpets. (laughs) I do. Do you? Yeah. And
0: cheese. I prefer muffins because you can let the butter in the holes. No, which is the
2: one? This is the last episode of season one, but do subscribe and we'll let you know when more episodes are on their way. And remember, please share these episodes so that people know we're here. Thank you to everyone for your kind comments. They are so appreciated. And thank you for your support. And of course, a massive thank you to our wonderful contributors. Also, if you're interested in taking part in future episodes of How Did We Get Here? Please email briefly describing your issue to parenting at somethingelse.com. That's parenting at something, without a G, else.com. This podcast was made by the team at Something Else. The sound engineer is Gulliver Tickle and the mix engineer is Josh Gibbs. The assistant producer is Hannah Talbot, the producer is Selina Ream and the executive producer is Chris Skinner with additional production from Steve Ackman. Thank you so much for listening.
0: Also from something else, Katie Piper's extraordinary people. Join Katie for a series of powerful and inspirational conversations with people who have triumphed over adversity, with guests including Fern Cotton. And what about when you get really
1: lazy journalism? So, like people that draw just one line, they take it out of context, and that's really sad because it is. It is.
2: I've also been on the receiving end of it so mm. so many times. Sometimes to really tragic levels for me where I've really not felt able to cope with it. Yeah.
0: Zoe Sug and Nadia Hussein. I think the, the thing with women, firstly, is that women sometimes don't always like to see other women succeed. mm mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think there's a lot of that, and I think that's why just it, it's really
1: hard sometimes because it, 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 in the last four years, I've changed so much. Mm. Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcast apps.